Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Know Who Drives Return. To listen to all of our podcasts, be sure to visit podcast.boardroomalpha.com and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any. And now back to the episode. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to Know Who Drives Return. I'm David Drapkin. Uh, today I'm delighted to be joined by Arya Glasgow, who's the head of ESG advisory at uh, insurance company Aon. Super excited to talk to Arya about what's the latest in ESG, its intersection with human capital, uh, and trends and implications for, for 2023, and I'm sure a bunch more. So Arya, thanks, thanks for taking the time here to talk to us today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here with you today. Awesome. So how about uh, to, to kick things off, a little bit of introduction. Uh, who, who's Aria? Where do you come from? A little bit about your background. Sure. No problem. Well, I lead Aon's North American ESG Advisory Group, and I'm part of our corporate governance team. And for our, our smaller clients who might be overwhelmed with the ESG alphabet soup, uh, we help them with their ESG strategy, providing a roadmap, knowing where to start and address their short-term and long-term priorities. And then for our larger clients, they're usually interested in what everybody else is doing and what their key stakeholders like their investors want them to do. So we're doing a lot of benchmarking, having them understand some of their gaps and what, what to focus on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's uh, it's chilly outside. There's beautiful snow here and I like to ski. So one of the ways I describe ESG in my job is if ESG was a mountain and our clients or our companies are skiers. What we do, and everybody's trying to improve their performance, right? So you've got all different skiers of all different types of abilities and and types. And what we're doing is we're writing the mountain report. Mm-hmm. So we're letting the skiers know what the conditions are and what the upcoming storms are. So just like our clients in different industries and stages, the skiers we've got our our, our greens, our, our double blacks, and we're helping novice skiers understand like, here's the hill that you need to focus on and this is going to commence. But then our, our back country, double black diamonds, they need to understand avalanche risk. Mm-hmm. And there's a, our novice green skiers might not need to focus on in the immediate future. The different flavors depending on level and focus. And now you got me now you got me itching to go skiing. So <laughs> Yeah, right. Me too. Me too. I love it. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, yeah. In, in terms of my background, I'll uh, segment it into three three quick parts. First was financial services. I was an accounting major, thought that was my path. And then I moved over to compensation consulting. And I did that for a number of years where I helped boards and their leadership design compensation plans that were uh, competitive and equitable. But then I started to get really interested in ESG and how companies were showing up in terms of sustainability, corporate purpose, their social and environmental practices, and then corporate governance. So I took on a few internal projects and went back to school, uh, did some learning on my own. And then when the opportunity presented itself, became the head of ESG for North America uh, Advisory Services here. And um, and yeah, I love it. It's uh, We've got about 50 employees here all helping clients. And one of my focuses, given my background, is ESG and human capital. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, you know, we hear a lot in the investing world at ESG on, on the pure investing side. So how do we dive in a little bit to, to the human capital angle? How how does ESG and, and, and human capital interact? Yeah, sure. No, that's a that's a good question. So human capital's in in the big S of, of ESG in you know the social factors. And it's all the companies related to your workforce from hiring to culture to diversity, compensation turnover, it's everything related to attracting, retaining, and uh, evolving your employees. And all of these things come together to impact a, a company's performance. So human capital is an asset because you've got all these people working to help your company, but it's also a material risk. And no company can be successful without the right talent. Mm -hmm. So You've got multiple stakeholders, including your investors, is they're asking, well, what's your what's your company doing to protect this risk and enhance your human capital strategy? And how are you how are you retaining your employees? How are you engaging your new ones? And how do you have a resilient workforce? Right. And these I mean, these aren't new ideas by any means, but the way we view them now as a material risk within ESG is is different. Yeah, it seems to be you know as the as the movement has gained momentum over the years, and, and now it's something that you know companies really need to be focused on, um, you know, to make sure that you know they're ahead of the curve in, in, in terms exactly. of exactly things exactly. Which leads me to my next question. So we're obviously at, at Board of Mouth, we're very focused on the board and directors, the role of the director. How do you view, you know, the board's role um, in, in this situation? Yeah, no, that's a that's a good question. And it's it's certainly evolving. And most boards now have oversight of human capital. So they're responsible for managing and understanding human capital risk. Mm -hmm. And this is a big change from years ago when I was in executive compensation consulting. The the boards wanted to understand that, um, but uh, the other human capital side was just a line item. It was maybe how many employees do you have? It was nothing more. Now that's all shifted. And we have compensation committees becoming human capital committees. And because of this shift, we see human resources leaders and other business leaders within the company, they're on the hook now to provide the board with more statistics uh, related to their human capital programs at risk. So this is anything from turnover to retention, um, compensation, of course, for, for your workforce, not just your executives, but for your workforce. How how competitive is it? How equitable is it? Um, your engagement scores, pay equity reports. And we're seeing a lot of these are showing up on uh, your 10K. And so if you're a board member, you want to be asking for your human capital metrics and and then also overall trends in these metrics. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. We'll get into a little bit about disclosure later. Um, mm -hmm. How about some examples of you know how, how companies are are addressing this? Sure. So let's talk about workforce diversity because that's an area that we've certainly seen evolve uh, internally, which is a great thing but also from a public disclosure perspective. And all companies now have a statement about the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion, or at least most of them do. They, if they don't, they should. But it, it, goes, it goes beyond that. And 
say, for example, you have diversity statistics that you might not be as happy with where they are right now. Um, maybe there's not enough women in your leadership or there's not enough racial diversity mm -hmm. in a particular department. So the, the first step there is just to understand the why. And it, is it because you can't attract the, the right talent for those roles or are people leaving? And if they are, why? Um, and so this gets back to the data just to really dig in. But then what are you doing to try and move the needle? Mm -hmm. So in, investors and rating agencies, they're not expecting per, uh, perfection when it comes to uh, diversity or, or, or gender, but they want to see improvement. And then they also want to see well, what are you doing to try and address these gaps? So we've seen some companies, um, and, and this all gets into like what they're publicly disclosing. Because yeah, if yeah. you're doing it internally yeah. and you're not disclosing it, you're not getting credit for it. Exactly. So, so we've seen more disclosures around things like, is there a like women leadership advancement formal program that they have? or right. Maybe for racial diversity, they're uh, coming up with different ways to attract new talent or sourcing in different areas or um, making sure that their employees are going through uh, bias training if, if they're interviewing candidates. It's things like that that we're starting to see more on the sense of um, public disclosure. Mm -hmm. And now a word from our sponsor, Boardroom Alpha. Boardroom Alpha delivers Moneyball for public company officers and directors so you know who drives return. Evaluate the full track records for every CEO, CFO, and director with exclusive ratings, tracking of insider buy and selling, executive compensation, SPAC and M&A history, relationships, and more. Also evaluate companies from a performance-focused governance perspective that includes board and executive team ratings, diversity, compensation analytics, board risks, and more. Institutional investors use Boardroom Alpha for idea generation and validation of longs and shorts, while everyone from executive recruiters to proxy advisors and others rely on the data to keep up to date on all people activity and easily search for top talent. Learn more at www.boardroomalpha.com. One question I had um, just because it came up this morning, and I don't even know it might be too early to have a comment on it, but I read a story that um, you know, given you know this era of layoffs that we've been in the last three or four months, that you know, DEI positions have looked to being be, being reduced. You know, human yeah. capital teams that are out there. How, how do you how do you look at that? Or do you have a, a not a, favorably? Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'd never <it's>, imagine. <laughs> not not at all uh, because. This is this is something that you you need. It's it's more important than ever because your employees that are still there, right? Mm -hmm. Your existing employees, they need to make sure that they've got that sense of belonging and that they feel like they're being included in mm -hmm. um, in in their their programs. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm hoping that we don't see too much in terms of cuts in those areas. Right. Right. And so you talk about, you know, companies having targets or programs, um, and then you kind of when it comes down to it, you know, folks need incentive to sort of hit on these things. So, um, you know, we're hearing a lot about, 
companies using ESG and, and compensation incentives and the like. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you seeing in that in that arena? Yeah, though no, we've certainly seen a, a lot there, and and right now it is just focused on executive mm-hmm. compensation incentives. Uh, with that, we might see that evolve over time, but that's generally where we see it. And I love this topic because it brings my my old world of designing incentive plans and, and my new world of ESG to, together. And we just did a study last fall with the, um, the S&P 500 and looked to see like how many of them are including an ESG metric in their executive center plan. And um, it was close to 70%. And right. like, oh my gosh, like everybody's doing it, we should do it. But there's a couple couple caveats with that. One, uh, the percentage decreased significantly for companies that were in the S&P 500. Uh, and then two, we looked to say, well, what are these metrics? Is everybody measuring climate and uh, climate targets? And the answer was no. That was just a, a few of them. Most of them, if they have an ESG metric, it's something around uh, diversity, which is obviously a good thing. Uh, it could be succession planning, talent. We've seen some safety in there. So that's what we we generally see. Um, but the other thing to to note, too, is that if you're not already measuring it, mm-hmm. don't put it in the incentive plan to put in a program. Have the program first so that you know how to measure it and and uh, and track it. And then if it's um, just like your financial goals, right? right? Yeah. You, you would want to make sure that there's, that there's a clear metric and clear measurement before you put anything in place. That makes sense. Start with the goal and then and then work it into your incentives. And so it, it but is it a big part of compensation? Is it is it so small? Do you think it should be a bigger, a bigger part? Well, it's executive compensation. So <laughs> the amount is always large <laughs> when you look at it because you're basing it on relative basis. <laughs> relative basis. But yeah, from a relative basis, it's no, it's not very large. We we usually see. Uh, I don't know, 10, 15%. It could go as high as 20, maybe, maybe 25, but but generally it's around 10 to 15%. And your your public disclosures too need to describe uh, not only how you're measuring it, but how you measure payout. So it's important to get that right. And then with any compensation design, particularly incentives, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. You can have it like a, a straight weighting or uh, some sort of modifier or a, a balanced scorecard approach. So there's a lot of different flavors to how you do incentives. And what we would suggest is start small, increase it. Yeah, over time. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, at the very least, at least it seems to be a positive trend that more companies are doing it and, and holding executives accountable for, you know, exactly out there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so on that, you know, looking ahead to this year, um, you know, what are what are some things that you know we should be looking out for? Maybe changes or trends or. Yeah. No, that's that's a good question. I wish I I had a crystal ball. Um, <laughs> but in terms of trends, I think the first one is pretty current. A lot of companies and their boards are putting together their 10K right now and other publicly disclosed filings. 
and you need to disclose your human capital strategy. And this is our third year of being required to disclose human capital strategy, but we haven't received any new guidance. So we don't expect that there's going to be too many material changes for 2023. Mm-hmm. You're probably starting to say this doesn't really sound like too much of a trend, but <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get there. So what we've what we've heard is that the SEC later this spring, I think March or April, they said that they're going to come out with some new guidance on human capital management. Now, we thought it was going to be last fall, so now it's the spring, so hopefully it doesn't get pushed. But <laughs> what we expect is that we'll see more in um, in terms of what they'd like to see, so more quantifiable metrics. Now, we don't know what these are going to be yet, but what we would imagine they would be are things like turnover, compensation, diversity, maybe even engagement scores that um, that companies are going to need to collect. So mm-hmm. the the trend, I think, is going to be more data collection yeah. after those that guidance comes out. Do you think that'll be like a standardized situation? or I hope so. Yeah. I think that'll make it a lot easier because right now everybody's, everybody's guessing and yeah, a lot of what we see in, in all sorts of ESG reporting it's all over the map you know, you, it's it's all over the map and it's it's improving and you know two years ago we saw how everybody is responding to COVID which is obviously very material very important but then last year we saw a lot of these same companies just keep that same language in yeah like, well it's time to tidy that up a little <laughs> bit so Hopefully, now we'll start to see more standardization. You can't get away with that for three years in a row. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I guess like the the other trend um, it related to ESG and human capital management gets to how the work is being done. So if you're, if you're on a board and a director, you know that like ESG is taking more time in committee meetings and it's a lot more time for company staff. It's a lot of coordination, both you know the day-to-day and the the long term where you're you're writing sustainability reports, you're worried about your ratings, you're doing pay equity studies. And um there's Companies like like ours that can and others that can help take the load off for you. Uh, when it comes to risk monitoring, we've got a new new tool called Digital Business Insights that does exactly that. Mm-hmm. But we we would recommend that companies start to take a look at 2022 and look at their their ESG roles um, and see like what worked well, what didn't. Mm-hmm. What are you going to keep in house? What's the, the the board going to do? What do they have oversight of? What do you need to outsource? And what do you need to hire for when it comes to ESG? And a good example of that is like we've seen a lot of companies starting to secure more talent around measuring and assessing climate risk. And this is something that um, is another trend, really. It, it's There's pending climate legislation here. And then the EU just adopted the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, which is going to impact some U.S. companies in the coming years. So you're you're like, okay, well, this sounds more like the E, right? And the environmental, not 
human capital. But where I see it being human capital is human capital is usually the function responsible for sourcing and securing all this talent. So things like climate where you don't have ready, ready talent at your company, this is something that you're going to need to start to look at to figure out, all right, where am I going to get this, this talent? And do I need to upskill any of the, this, the, the people that I uh, need right now? Same mm-hmm. is true for boards, by the way, if they don't have that expertise on their board. Right. Uh, you know, making sure, you know, we spoke to some folks earlier this year about, you know, making sure you have at least one or two board members who have the relevant um, you know, ESG background to a provide oversight and, and bring that expertise into the boardroom where, you know, that might not be exactly. And ESG oversight, I mean, there, there's three letters to ESG. So you could have one person that's really strong in the S, one the E, and then of course corporate governance. And getting all three of them is is sometimes challenging for one particular member. So you, so it could be that it's a little bit spread out in terms of your overall ESG expertise. Right, right. Um, and I always spoke a little bit about this in various forms. So what, you know, if you're a leader or CEO, you know, what, what, what can you be doing to you know, mitigate some of this, some of this risk? Yeah. And, and I think um, for, for board members too, I mean, obviously we're, we're in a, a time of, um, of change. Mm-hmm. And I was, I, I, Quick, quick aside. I, I went on um, a trip this winter, and we were at a nice, warm place, and it was overcast. And we decided to take a sightseeing excursion to this island, and it wasn't real clear what the boat we were getting on, and a lot of confusion. So, anyways, we get on a, a boat. Um, it was not a pleasure cruise. It was they they put us kind of in, in the basement or whatever, lower level, yeah. not the basement, lower level. And all the windows were, had screens on them. So you, so you couldn't see out at all. And you couldn't see where you were going. Doesn't and it fun. was it was not a fun ride at all. It was pretty horrible. And it, it kind of reminds me of what we're going through now because you know you're eventually going to get there, but you you can't see how choppy the water is and you yeah. can't see your destination. And that that feels like um, what a lot of us are are, are facing. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of what we can do, um, get on a different boat. No, that's that's uh, <laughs> we we found a different boat for our, our return trip, but. Um, for for leaders right now, I think from a tactical standpoint, it, it just to measure measure your programs with quantifiable metrics, and you're probably like, oh, I'm already doing that, and you probably are, but do it better. Mm-hmm. You know, measure your diversity statistics, your pay equity, your um, your engagement turnover, your promotion statistics, but uh, not just at a high level, but understand your trends by location, by department, by gender, by racial diversity, and look to see how they're shifting over time. And this just, data is very powerful. Mm-hmm. And to, to see trends um, is, is important. And you can even measure your in, employees' engagement yep. if, if you want to, which you, before you weren't able to do so as effectively 
But we AN's got a human sustainability index that does exactly that. So with all this measurement and all this data, this is going to allow you to assess um, if you're a company that's in on in the unfortunate position of maybe you have to do a reorganization or or a layoff or or maybe you're expanding. Maybe it's a good thing and you're you're growing. Um, but all of this data is going to help you understand how your metrics are shifting over time. And then you're going to be better prepared for your pending public disclosures too, if the SEC requires more of that data. Uh, yeah, get ahead of it. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, to get ahead of it because that um, that'll be important. And then see for that. So that's kind of short term, and then long term. If we think of like measuring long-term risk, right? And getting back to that human capital risk and and make, playing the long game. And, and what do you need to do as a leader, as you know, a board member having oversight to make sure that your your employees are are engaged and they're they're thriving. And you know, I think this this starts with compensation, like competitive compensation and benefits, but that's kind of um, that's kind of table stakes, right? You, you need to have that. And we we get a lot of questions about like, okay, well, we're, we've got all this inflation. Do we give everybody 10% increases? Well, no, no it's, no. it's being more targeted with your dollars, but um, beyond that total rewards, just to get your employees like to, to stay right. And because that's what you want. Um, it's things that may not cost money. It's mm-hmm. things like, you know, doing more meaningful work, which everybody says, like, okay, yeah, let's that's the work's the work, but maybe it's maybe it's different work. Maybe people just need just a change. If it's a rotation program, if it's a new assignment, um, a lot of times it's having a career path. Mm-hmm. So employees don't need to look to move up to the the competitor. They can do it right there, but you know, a lot of a lot of companies don't communicate that until it's too late. And then um, and then it's working for supportive managers so that employees can work for a company where their, you know, they, their values are aligned. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you say values. What... Yeah, no, I, I, I probably should have started with that because that's, um, <laughs> that's, that's a good, good, good question. And the way I think about it is, you know, you've got, uh, you, there's, there's a lot of data out there that show that um, employees are looking at companies when they're making hiring decisions or when they're making decisions to move to a new, um, new company or even their current, current company around what, how's their, how's this company showing up when they address things like sustainability, like their social programs, like climate, and and what do they disclose publicly on that? And, um, and in fact, we just did a survey, AN's global DEI survey, that showed that there was an incredibly strong correlation between having engaged employees. So how engaged your employees were. And those companies that had a stated diversity, equity, and inclusion program. 
which I thought was just so powerful. So when you think of values, it's aligned to your company's purpose and their social responsibility programs. And this, again, could get things like, you know, having a DEI program. Hopefully everybody has one right now. But again, like it, you can't just say you have it without doing things like what are you really doing to show up? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What are you doing? And it's things like, you know, we have a lot of um, companies where their clients are asking for things like climate education, or maybe it's a new employee resources group to foster that sense of inclusion and belonging for Mm -hmm. smaller populations, or it could be things like giving more real, more well-being time. and you know this it's these types of value different programs that they help to make sure that like your your workforce sticks and mm-hmm. they're they're staying engaged and they're productive and you're contributing to your overall company performance mm-hmm. and which ultimately gets us back to uh how how to manage your your overall human capital risk mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah well it's 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 new world right so yeah. Um, hey, Ari, really, really appreciate you shedding the insight on on, on the human capital angle. Um, I think it's one that maybe the the more general public that maybe doesn't think about um, as much when they when they hear ESG for for however mm-hmm. that, that makes them react. Um, so appreciate it. Thanks again. Um, now I want to go skiing and <laughs> thanks, thanks for Sounds good. Yeah. I'll, write, I'll write your mountain report and I'll exactly. be, I'll, I'll be on the, uh, the, the, the greens. But yeah, I prefer, this, this, I prefer a nice groomer, uh, on a sunny day. So exactly. Me too. Me too. Well, thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Appreciate it.